to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Fantastic. We want to welcome you this morning. Today's a special day for us. Not only are we dedicating baby Zyla today, which is always an awesome day, but we're also celebrating our 28th anniversary as a church. 28 years. Yeah. And so on January the 22nd, 1995, we started this faith journey. And we are so grateful that we did and so happy with what God has accomplished and what he's done. And even through the ups and downs, even through the trials, hey, it's been amazing. It has been absolutely amazing. And I want to give the glory to God for that. He's amazing. I'm going to show you a picture just uh, before Nancy gets started here. Uh, uh, yes, we started this church this last year that Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl. That's how long it's been since we started the church, right? How many in the room are 28 years or younger in age? Right, just stand up right where you are. Just stand up right where you are. If you're 28 or younger, come on, stand up, everybody. Stand up if you're 28 or younger. Hey, you weren't even a thought yet before we started, huh? Come on, give each other a high five. Man, thank you. You can be seated. Nancy, what do you think? Yeah, Pastor Joe asked me if I wanted to say hello this morning, and, and I thought of a couple of things, but it's an encouragement to all of us. But when you feel the Lord leading you to do something, my encouragement today is to say yes to him. And, you know, he laid it on our hearts. We were at Sojourn Church for 10 years, and then we just felt a a calling and leading to come to this area, multi-generational, multicultural church. And we just really said yes and felt like it was just the faith at times of a mustard seed, but God can do so much with that. Miracles can happen, mountains can be moved. But I did want to take the time this morning to say thank you for everyone here, but the people that have helped us through the years and years and years of this journey. And I shared first service right there in the center of this picture. Joe's parents are right here. So I'll show y'all. Yeah. They're yeah. 90, and they came. I know, they watch online, so. <laughs> hey, Mama Sue and Grandpapa. They came here. They were our age. They closed up the farm for about five years, and she did our books, and he was a groundskeeper, really, right? And yeah. so much more. But they were our age. And, I mean, it, you know, it, it is a lot of work. It's still the same facility, same vision. Grandpapa helped build this stage. So I just want to encourage us, like I think the movie Gladiator, it's like we're better together. And I just really do believe we need to stay together to continue. Yeah, amen. The vision that God has for Trinity Church, for this area, for the people around here. And at times, I mean, just even in your own lives, the thing God calling you and you just feel like I have faith the size of a mustard seed. God can do so much with that. Miracles can happen and mountains can be moved. But thank you for, for everyone that's helped us through the years and years and years and years. And the 10 years we were at Sojourn, it was really a grooming time for us too. So I just say welcome 
God in your life to do what he needs to do. He knows what he's doing, right, church? Anyway, bless you. Thanks for being with us. Fantastic, baby. Give her a big hand. The mother of the house. Okay, I'm going to be showing you some pictures behind me, okay? So you don't have to take any notes right now. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. It was exactly 28 years ago today that I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I got dressed put all the assets of Trinity Church neatly in the trunk of my 1986 Sable wagon and began driving down from Carrollton uh, on what now has become the Dallas North Tollway. In those days, it was a two-lane highway, street, really. And so as I was driving down uh, to this part of Dallas, we had our first meeting at the Stonely Hotel, And as I was driving down here, it began to sprinkle. And as it began to sprinkle, I heard the Lord say to me, it's beginning to rain. And so I thought to myself, you know what? It is beginning to rain. And I felt like the Lord just said, no, no, it's not about the water. It's about I'm beginning to rain and pour out revival on you. And so that's what I heard the Lord say, it's beginning to rain. And I thought to myself, wow, that's awesome. And I started, kept. how many of you know sometimes it's not good just to keep thinking? And I just kept thinking about it. And I just thought, wow, when I get down there, you know, people are going to think I'm their pastor. <laughs> well, when I get down there, they're going to be looking to me for a vision. They're going to be looking for me to pastoral care. They're going to be looking for me to help them. When I get down there, they're going to be wanting me to counsel them and help them. And, and you know, I can't even pastor myself, Lord. I, I'm not sure I can do this. And it just began to build. And by the time I got to nearly to Royal Lane, I had already told the Lord, Lord, I cannot do this. I am turning around, doing a U-turn, and I am headed back to my house. I'm putting my head under the cover and hope that this day never happens because I'm scared to death. I can't do it, Lord. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment and said, you're right. You can't do it. That's why you need me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, one of these days you have buildings and people and stuff and influence. You'll need me more then than you do now. And I couldn't really comprehend all that, but I just said, Lord, please come help me. And you know what the Lord has helped me. He's helped us. He's helped our church. And I'm here to testify today that God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. We had so many stories to tell. We started out in the Stony Hotel. They were making a movie somewhere here in Dallas, and so there's several of different uh, sort of semi-famous actors that were staying in the Stonely, and they would come, get a coffee, and stand by the door and listen to us worship. We were there for about four or five, maybe six weeks, and then we moved to the campus at SMU. And the campus at SMU, we had three or four different venues on the campus. One of them was underground. So you had to find the right building and then get on the steps and go down underground for where we were there. We also had uh, the Greta Garbo Theater. We had several different places where we met in those days, and we stayed on campus there for about 10 months or so. After that, we moved to the uh, hotel between the Gold Towers, and uh, we were there for about nine months. We had a venue at the top of the hotel that you could see out all over the city, and we'd have all-day prayer meetings where we would worship and pray over the whole city. And and then from there, uh, we uh, heard 
that uh, one of the guys that was coming to church there said, look, I've got a warehouse we could clean up and you could meet in there. And that warehouse happened to be at the corner of Travis and Knox Street. Now, if you can remember back in the day, there used to be a 7-Eleven there at Travis and Knox Street. And, and so this was behind, the parking lot behind the 7-Eleven is where this warehouse was. And, and so <clears throat> we would go over there and we thought, we can clean this up. It was right next to a very infamous bar uh, uh, called the Sapango Club. And so we were there in the warehouse next to this infamous bar, and we would come in after Saturday night and uh, sweep up all the beer bottles uh, and try our best to fumigate the place, and we would do our best to make it uh, usable. We were there for over a year. People said, now, where are y'all meeting? Tell me one more time. I said, well, you know, if you take the Central Expressway, get off on Knox, go down to the end of Knox, and there at the corner of Travis is a 7-Eleven. They said, yeah, yeah, I know exactly where that is. Behind the 7-Eleven is a dumpster. Yep, yep. Next to the dumpster is our front door. <laughs> and that's where we were for a year. And, uh, and that warehouse had a big skylight in it. It was a massive skylight. It was like the size of two king-size mattresses. Huge skylight. And it was probably, you know, as high as the ceiling is here. And, uh, and so the first Sunday that we met in there, there was no covering for the skylight, so the sun went straight through, and it was like being under a magnifying glass. The sun go and everybody who said in the back two-thirds of the church got sunburned. <laughs> they got sunburned. And so, uh, yeah, who is that, Robert? <laughs> we, we ministered to a Middle Eastern guy for a long time. And so, <clears throat> so uh, one Sunday I came in, and uh, it was raining outside. It was raining pretty good. And I came into the little warehouse that we were stationed at and where we were staying at that time. And the skylight was leaking in about four or five places. And uh, over the drum kit, the guy would bring his drums every week. Over the drum kit, they had erected with pool cues a little tent made out of clear plastic. And the water was dripping. And when I say dripping, it's like a steady stream. It was coming straight off the deal onto the plastic and into a five-gallon bucket next to the drummer. That's the kind of church that we had. We found out through Joy Lindsay that this church was here. It's really only two blocks away. And uh, that this church was here. And so when we found out that this church was here, we started praying and walking around it because it was pretty much abandoned. The education building was really a crack house. And there were a lot of homeless people who were living in it. This area of town is not nearly then what it is today. And, uh, and so we came over, and there was a tiny congregation of people that really had reached their, uh, had aged out, really. And uh, we came over, and we uh, came over, and we would pray. Every day we'd pray over it. And so finally, after a couple of weeks of praying, Nancy and I and our two kids, we came and we sat in here during one of their worship services. After the worship service, they all just gathered around us. And wow, they were so excited to have a young couple uh, in their church. And uh, they asked what we were doing. We said, well, we're planting a church. And one lady said, oh, my goodness, this is the answer to my prayer. I'm just praying that we will give you this building to plant a church in. I thought to myself, wow, is, man, what a great reception this is. And uh, we came back the next week, and she said, now, tell me what Baptist church y'all are out of. <laughs> I said, well, I'm almost uh, like that. I said, we're not Baptist. She said, oh, really? 
She said, well, what, what are you? I said, well, we are non-denominational church. What kind of non-denominational church? I said, well, we're non-denominational Bible-believing church. Well, what kind of non-denominational Bible-believing church? We're non-denominational Bible-believing charismatic church. Okay. On Wednesday night that week, I came up to meet them. for They'd have a little supper, you know, Wednesday night supper club and a little Bible study afterward. I came up, came to this door right over here, knocked on the door. The head deacon came around, saw it was me, turned around, went right back in there to have dinner. He wouldn't even open the door. They wouldn't talk to us. We made them an offer. They said they weren't interested in selling. They sold it to a, they were interested, just not in selling it to us. They sold it to a developer and the developer made, had already made plans uh, to develop it, and he, he had, they'd already had their, you know, their uh, building uh, contracts. They already had everything ready to go. And, uh, and so they bought this property for $600,000. And so we thought, you know, we know we're supposed to have this property. We know this is what we're supposed to We only had $80,000 in the bank. And we had about 120 people, 80 of which uh, couldn't vote or weren't out of school yet. And, uh, and so uh, we just started praying. So somebody had the bright idea, well, let's go see the developer and see if he'll sell it to us. So we went to see the developer and said, we, we believe we're supposed to have this property. Would you sell it to us? They said, no. Well, why not? Well, we've already hired an architect. Here are the plans. He opened them up, showed them all to me. He, I said, well, let me ask you a question. If everything goes as you plan, how much money do you plan to make on this? He said, oh, we'll easily make a half million dollars. So I said, okay, you bought it for $600,000. you are going to make a half million dollars on it. That's $1.1 million. How about if you take a million dollars for it, we'll, we'll pay a million dollars for it. He said, uh, okay. Think about that. Came back to me the next day. He said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you 30 days to examine the property, and we'll give you another 30 days to close it. The price would be $1 million. And so uh, we were excited, but we were also overwhelmed because we didn't even have close to a million dollars. So we started fasting and praying, the whole church, fasting, praying. And as we fasted and prayed, the Lord uh, spoke to us. He said, number one, I'm going to give you that church. He made that clear through three or four different people, different places, different times. And number two is, but you can't borrow any money. Okay, so you're going to give it. We have $80,000. You're going to give us the church, yes, but we can't borrow any money. No. Well, where are we going to get the rest of the money from? Just keep walking. So that Sunday, I got everybody together. We uh, had been fasting for a few days now. And uh, got people to, hey, stand up, testify, tell everybody what the Lord's speaking to you as you've been fasting and praying. People got up, said different things. One person had some stock they were going to sell. I mean, it was, it was encouraging, but we were still way off from having the right money. And one little girl, about nine years old, got up and she said, you know, I've been fasting dessert. <laughs> well, well, that's good. That's really good. You're really seeking God. She said, I've been saving money to buy uh, rollerblades. And she said, I'm going to give the money that I've been saving, $50, to the church so they can buy that property. Oh, everybody, she got standing ovation. Everybody's so excited. Man, it's great. It's awesome. In my mind, I'm going, okay, all we need now is $999,950. That's it. And so I did my best to clap. 
but I'm still I'm nervous. I'm nervous as I can be about it. And, uh, and so the next day, uh, and uh, this uh, little boy who was in our church, not related to the girl, six-year-old, uh, he told his mom, he said, Mom, I want to sell my Beanie Babies. His mom's here this morning. And uh, at least I think I saw you back there. Where are you guys? There you are right back there, Laura. Laura Weir and Blake Weir. And uh, Laura's uh, son said, uh, you know what? I'd like to sell all my Beanie Babies and give the money to uh, the church. And so Laura worked out a deal with her mother who bought the Beanie Babies for $100. And he was satisfied. She was satisfied. He came to the church on Sunday, put the $100 into the plate, and, uh, and called it a day. He didn't testify about it. He didn't tell anything about it. He just put the money into the plate. The next morning, he had breakfast with his grandfather. His grandfather didn't go to church here. And so his grandfather, uh, he got in the car with his grandfather, and he said to his grandfather, you know, Papa, my church, my church is buying a building, a new building. Grandfather said, boy, that's good. Your mother told me, and I'm excited about it. That's great. Silence. He'd go a little, little further in the car together, and the little boy said, um, Papa, I sold all my Beanie Babies, and I gave all the money to the church for the new building. His grandfather said, you know, that's really sacrificial of you. I know you love those little Beanie Babies. Silence. Then a little six-year-old grandson said to his grandfather, Papa, I was wondering what you and Grandma might be willing to give. And his grandfather was so touched that they ended up giving over $350,000. That set off an amazing chain of events. Someone from San Antonio, I'd married, uh, presided at the wedding of their daughter that didn't even live in San Antonio. They sent a $100,000 check, and with the check, they said, do not use if you're going to get debt. This is to keep you out of debt. Uh, that same day, we got another check for $100,000, and it came from uh, a couple who had been with us, helping us, who had decided that church planning wasn't for them, and I wasn't for them. And so uh, they sent $100,000. And we had another guy in the church who uh, had big stock uh, divided, had big stock dividend, and he gave about $175,000. And all that would get, began to roll. Uh, one couple uh, who had saved up nearly $40,000 for their first home, first home, nearly $40,000 for the first home, decided to take all the money that they had saved for their first home and give it. It was, a, it was an amazing moment for us. So by the time uh, it got time to, to uh, make the escrow hard money, uh, we were at probably $700,000, $800,000. And, um, and so the Lord said, you know, you want, I'm giving it to you, but you cannot borrow any money. And so the next two weeks went by, and I'm just telling you, some amazing things begin to happen. One couple uh, had bought a, uh, were starting a furniture store over across, Urban Furniture, I think that was the name of it, over across 75 on Henderson. And, uh, and so they had heard about our church through somebody that was coming. 
And they decided that they were going to tithe off what their business plan said they were going to make the very first year. They hadn't even opened the door. And they brought a check for $10,000. And it just was amazing what began to happen. And so as we got up to closing day, we had enough money accounted for to purchase the property for $1 million. But it was coming in on various wires, checks, stock sales. And all of you know that money is not money until it's actually in the account, right? And so we didn't really have a million in the bank. Now, the reason it was an urgent thing is because uh, there was a backup contract. Somebody had offered a contract for $1.1 million. So the seller was not motivated to help us close the deal. He was motivated for us not to close the deal so that he could collect another $100,000. So that's where we were. Called our intercessors, said, look, y'all be praying. We're going to go, the, it's touch and go. We're going go to go try to close this thing this afternoon. And it's the 60th day. I mean, we got to do it today. It's now or never. And so by the time I got to the closing uh, table, there must have been 40 moms and kids already in the closing room. And I mean, they were running and bouncing and jumping and, and laughing and talking. And uh, I walked in, and I mean, it was, it was chaos. And so I walked in, and they showed me. She said, are you the pastor? I said, yes. She said, come this way. And so I came in. I sat at the head of the table and waited for the, uh, for the seller to get there. And as I was waiting for the seller, the closer came and said, uh, Mr. Martin, Pastor Joe, I think we're going to have the money. I think it's going to close. So I was really excited. I mean, she, if you think it's going to close, then it's going to close. And so I was excited about it. But just as she told me that, the seller walked in. He's looking straight at the floor. Walked in, walked all the way around the table. He sat in the chair next to me. And, uh, you know, he barely said hello, didn't make eye contact. Barely said hello. He's sitting there. Uh, and pouting's not the right word, but it was close. And, uh, and so uh, he, as he's sitting there, a little nine-year-old, Emily Wilhite, comes in the room. She's holding a clear plastic bag with something in it, and she walks all the way around the closing table. She walks behind me and stands in between me and the seller. We're both sitting down, about ready to sign all these papers. And she heaves up on the table a gallon Ziploc full of change. Nickels, dimes, quarters, pennies, and slams it on the table. She said, Pastor Joe, that's all the money you need to close this deal. <laughs> the seller started crying. He started crying. And that's how this church is a miracle. It's a miracle that God did for us. And those miracles continue today. We have now renovated almost fully our second campus at Herschel and Douglas. And so we've got the certificate of occupancy now. And so what remains to be done is to put in the audiovisual, and uh, we still got to do some dirt work around. Still got some major things to do, but we're on the tail end of it. When we move in there, we'll move in there debt-free. Yeah, I mean, it'll be all be paid for. I'll be paid for. When we started, 
We started looking at it. We didn't have near enough to pay for it. God has provided. Through some extraordinary friends, some extraordinary giving, some extraordinary members. I mean, God has done some, something extraordinary. And so it's pretty, pretty powerful. And uh, I'm just so grateful and so thankful to be a part of something that God's breathed on. Yeah, he's breathed on. There's our boy, Rob Carmen. Man, I miss him. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a great moment, great moment for us. Amen. I have hundreds of stories, but I want to just kind of melt it down to three things that I've learned. Three things in 28 years that I've learned. And so if you're going to write something down, you can just make on your notes there, one, two, three. First thing that I've learned is to be thankful. To be thankful. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul is talking about the depravity of man. Now watch what he says. He says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. And how much more could that be a description of the times that we live in? People that know the Lord, they know the Lord, but they did not glorify him. And secondly, that they were unthankful. That they were unthankful. So being that way, they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So when you're thankful... Thankfulness will keep your thought life useful. It'll keep it full. It'll keep it purposeful. And most importantly, thankfulness will keep your heart God-centered. God-centered. Thankfulness will keep your heart light. Thankfulness will keep your relationships fresh. Thankfulness will keep you fresh and keep you moving towards the mark of the high upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul says, giving thanks always. How often? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, look, I want you to always be thankful, and I want you to give thanks for all things. There's some really tough, hard, difficult things that come our way. And in that moment, it's hard to be thankful for something. And so some days I just have to say, you know, Lord, I thank you that somehow we're going to survive this. Somehow I'm going to get through this. But I want to have a thankful and grateful heart for the life that you've given me, for the things that you've handed me to steward. So giving thanks always for all things to God. Rejoice always, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will is that you give thanks in everything. That's his will. That we ought to have a thankful, grateful heart. We don't understand everything all the time. Things go up and things go down. People come in, people go out. People come near, people go far. People start out being happy, then they end up being unhappy. But we can be thankful. Be thankful for all things. And, and he says, give, he said, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And finally, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So being thankful, 
Being thankful to God is the gateway to a victorious life. This morning, you may find yourself, you know, in a defeated life. You may feel defeated. The, the way to get some light in the midst of all that darkness is to be thankful. It's to be thankful. And, and, and being thankful and being grateful that we have a, another breath to draw, that we have another day to live, that we have another opportunity to serve, to give, to share, that's the gateway to a victorious life. And it may take you a while to get to the gate because maybe it's been a while since you've been thankful. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is the investment that you make to get to a victorious life is being thankful. So the first thing that I've learned really is a simple lesson. It's just be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful for the lot that we have in life. I, I always thought, you know, uh, Robert Morris and I went on our first mission trip together. Uh, Robert uh, was one of the first speakers that we had here at our church. Robert and I have been friends. He tried to give me his golf clubs one time. I wouldn't let him give me his golf clubs. And we were great friends. We were all about the same age. I was maybe three years older than him, but we traveled together. We had conferences together. This is before he ever started a church. And I used to think, you know, I mean, Robert will do okay. I don't know how great he'll do. He'll do okay. He's a little hard. <laughs> well, look, he's done okay. And I've thought many times, how come I don't have a church the size of Gateway? And uh, you know what? I had to learn to be thankful for the church I got. That's right. And I am. Yeah. In fact, today, I wouldn't trade with him. <laughs> I mean, it's an awesome church. It's amazing. I bet he doesn't have everything paid for. <laughs> he may have. I don't know, but... So be thankful. Number two, I want you to be present. I learned that. Be present. Be present with people. You know what that means is that you kind of cut off what you're going to say while you're listening to somebody. Be present with them. Be a good listener. Be in there with them. You know, sympathize with them. Empathize with them. Laugh with them. Be present with people. This has been one of the hardest things for me to conquer. Uh, and I don't really know why. My motor just, when I was a young pastor, my motor ran really fast. And uh, one of the terrible habits I had was in thinking was thinking, you know, how can I use the people that I have to reach the people that I want? That's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> Who wants to be used, first of all? Nobody. I don't want to be used. You don't want to be used. And I realized one thing, these are the people that I want. They're here. In fact, they want to be here. So let's have fun, enjoy our lives, do life together, and build something cool. It may take us longer. It may be harder for some of us. But we can build something really cool, really awesome with the gifts, the talents, the resources, the people that are in this room. And so I want to learn to be present with you. It says, now... Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now, everybody say the word now. now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This word now occurs over 650 times in the New Testament. You know why? Because God lives in the now. He doesn't live in the yesterday. He's not in the tomorrow. He lives in the now. He lives now. 
He's present with us now. In his presence is fullness of joy because he's with us now. And so we got to be present. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 that behold, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. God lives in the now. He lives in the now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Liberty doesn't come tomorrow. Liberty doesn't come yesterday. Liberty comes now. Freedom comes now. Joy comes now. And so if you're waiting for tomorrow to be happy, you ain't never going to be happy because tomorrow is not where God lives. God lives in today. If God has spoken to you to do something, to give something, to share something, to serve with somebody, to, to make a trip, to do something, God's spoken to you, don't wait till tomorrow, do it now. Because now is where the power is. Now is where the life is. Now is where the spiritual gifts are. Now is where the presence of the Lord is. It's in the now. Where the Lord is the Spirit and the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so I want to celebrate now. Today, not only am I giving you a picture sort of of what's going on with us as we celebrate this anniversary, but I also want to kind of give you an update, a progress report of how we're doing. And this chart you're going to see here is a chart that measures 2020, 2021, and 2022. And so if you take to the far right, here's what you'll see, is that the average Sunday attendance, in-person attendance last year was 401 people. That was up from 288 during COVID, right? 226 during the heart of COVID, all right? Our average total participation, see 614, that means the people that were in person and the people that are joining us even right now online. And so 614, that's up from 531 and then 587. Our revenue, you see, in 2022 was $8.6 million. That's a fortune. That's a lot of money. But we had an unusual and extraordinary gift last year. And that unusual and extraordinary gift mixed with what we already had, a building, land, and a plan, to pay for when you walk into the new sanctuary and walk into our newest auditorium on our newest campus, every blade of grass, every uh, sand grain of, of uh, concrete, every board, every piece of everything paid for. Amen. Another miracle. It's a miracle. Amen. It's a miracle. We even have money left over to make a sizable down payment on the future of this campus. And I'll be talking to you about that in just for a few minutes, okay? Uh, church giving uh, was 462000 by far the biggest year of giving we've ever had. That included a $100,000 gift for an inner city school um, called the Tr- Truth, Truth, what's it called? Truth Academy, that's exactly right. So we're excited about that. Guest cards, 159. Decisions, 495. 38 baptisms, 61 new members, 71 who've completed the membership growth track, 22 uh, small groups, and 14 child dedications, and the number of uh, members of our church who served was about 32%. Now, we know we went down in that, which we got to catch up on this year, but we also accelerated the number of people here. So just by numbers, the percentage is going to go down a little bit. But we had a phenomenal year 
a phenomenal year. And we're going to have to hustle to make this year that good, right? And so we're all going to have to look, look at each other and say, you're going to have to get after it. Yeah. You're going to have to get after it. So I want to celebrate the presence. I want to thank the Lord. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Celebrate the present. What a great year. What a great start we're off on. It's fantastic. So we want to, uh, you know, make sure that we're thankful. We want to be thankful. Number two, we want to be present. And number three, we want to be people of faith. Be people of faith. In Luke chapter 18, verse 8, Jesus asked this question. When the Son of Man returns, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he find you full of faith? Will he find me full of faith? Will he find us full of faith? Peter Lewis last year told us that faithfulness is the new radical. That if you're living faithful for God, you're living radically for God. Well, I'm here to say that it's not about my faithfulness or your faithfulness. It's about the fact that he's been faithful. He's a radical God. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. He is faithful, and he will be faithful. Period, exclamation point. You can write that down in your notes. God is faithful. And so our testimony over the last 28 years, that even when we stumbled, even when we got off the mark, even when we got away from the mission and the vision that God has spoken to us, even when we made mistakes, even when we let the flesh take over places the spirit should have been, God was faithful. God was faithful. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Let a man so consider us as servants and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Brothers and sisters, our highest calling is to be a servant of Jesus Christ. That's our highest calling. You think about it, man. If the king of England called you today and said, I want you to be my right-hand person. I want you to be my right-hand person. I want you to take care of all the stuff that I have going on. I want you to help me stay organized. I want you to help me stay in the game. And say, what an honor that would be to go be the assistant to the king, to be a servant of the king, to serve at the king's command. Well, every one of us has that opportunity to serve at the feet of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because we are servants and we are stewards. Paul said to Agrippa, he said, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. If we're going to be servants and stewards, we have to steward the vision and the mission that God has given us. We're not here because, you know, we just sort of met at a bar and like each other and started, let's just meet for church. We're not here because we met at some athletic sporting event. We're not here because we have common ancestors. We're here because God called us together on purpose for a purpose. That's what we're here for. He called us together on purpose for a purpose. And, and so Paul knew this. He said, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I shared with you back in October the vision that God had given me. Listen, I'm not given to a lot of visions and dreams. I'm pretty practical. My faith is pretty pragmatic, you know, but I know when God is speaking to me through visions. I know when he's speaking to me through dreams. I've had enough to test them, to know, to understand. And on the day that we signed the construction loan, because we didn't have all the money when we started renovating the property on Herschel Avenue, 
On the day that we signed those, no, those loans that morning, that afternoon I came and I was standing up. I was looking out the window, which is right here on this uh, south side of the building. I was looking out over the parking lot, looking out over the uh, children's church, and the Lord gave me a vision. And it's like it was technicolor. I could see it. I could see it so well I could describe it. I could describe it. And I described it to our architects, and this is what it looked like. I said, here's what I want you to see, because here's what I saw. And in that moment, the Lord gave me a passage of Scripture, 2 Kings 13. This is the last act of Elijah before he died and he was buried. So he's counseling the king of Israel. And Elijah said to the king, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, now open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And Elijah said, it's the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them all. Then he said, I want you to take some arrows. So the king of Israel took some arrows, and he said to the king, strike the ground. So the, so the king of Israel struck the ground three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. And immediately after Elijah died and was buried. In that moment, I knew that God was speaking to me out of that passage of Scripture. It's like the Lord said, it's three enough for you. You've done a good job. You ready to cash in your chips? Go play golf for the rest of your life? I'll be a ranch foreman at one of my friends' ranch. Just, hey, hunt, fish all day. I said, no, Lord, I don't think I'm through. Lord said, well, you got three. You struck the ground three times. You got three. You got a campus in Uptown. You got a campus in Highland Park. You got a virtual campus. Hey, well done. 28 years well spent. Good job. You can pass the baton on to somebody else. I said, no, Lord. I don't want to. The Lord said, well, I've got more for you. I want you to expand this campus that you're sitting in so that it matches the architect and the calling on this community. And secondly, I want you to start a school. If you're serious about discipleship, it's got to begin with the three-year-olds. The K-3s, fours, fives, kindergartners, first graders. You got to start school. And from an early age, begin to put a Christian worldview in them so that they can stand against the evil onslaught of the culture. And I said, Lord, I, I don't know anything about starting a school. I don't know where we're going to get the people and the resources. I mean, it's all, some days it's all I can do to hang on what we got. And then I struck myself. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. Lord, thank you that I'm going to get to see another miracle before I die. You see, I have eight grandchildren. I want to pass the baton to my children and my grandchildren so that they're way ahead of where Nancy and I were when we started. Because, as Nancy said earlier, we're a multi-generational church. 
it wasn't meant and it's not meant for us to die in my generation. Y'all all go find another church somewhere. No, it's for raising up the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. So that when I lay down with my fathers, grandfathers, I can take a big, big sigh and say, Lord did it. He was faithful. He was faithful. Be thankful. Be present. And be a person of faith. See, the vision that I showed you a few minutes ago, you can only really see it through eyes of faith. That's it. So be a man of faith. Be a woman of faith. When God says and speaks to you something, do what Nancy gave you the advice to do. Say yes. Say yes. It's not about how you feel. If I made all the decisions on how I felt, I would never make a decision. I don't feel like making a decision. No, no. You can't make decisions based on how you feel. You got to make decisions based on God speaking to your heart through his word and through his life. We began Trinity Church with a mission. Here's how we called it then. We said calling and equipping a generation for the purposes of God. Our mission was to make disciples, train leaders, plant churches, change the world. Today, our vision is to build a community of God seekers. Our mission, make disciples, train leaders, impact the world. After 28 years, we're going to hang on to what God spoke to us in the beginning. And so the question is, how will we pass the baton to the next generation? We've accomplished a lot. We could call it a day. When we bought this church, there were about 25 people in the church. And listen, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I got gray hair. But there was nothing but gray and blue hair. And I'm not talking about like the, you know, skinhead blue hair. I'm talking about, or whatever that's called, punk blue hair. I'm talking about that. This is like grandma blue hair. Great grand, I'm sorry, sorry, baby. Great grandma, great, great grandma. (laughs) Nothing wrong with gray hair people. Hey, you ought to honor us. Right? But we're building something for the next generation. Yeah, we're building something for the next generation. For those of you that have kids, we're going to pass the baton clean to the next generation. We're going to give them a better shot than we got ourselves. Someone's got a really good shot. And we're going to teach them to pass the baton to their generation. So if you're here today, you have kids... I'm believing that before your kids are too old, they have a chance to be in the school. And if you're here today and you're married, you hadn't had kids yet, what are you waiting on? Yeah, we need those babies. Come on. We're going to change the world through the children's church one day at a time, one child at a time. Cannot rest on our accomplishments. We cannot let our present slowly drift into the past. But we've got to be intentional, deliberate, resolute, and committed to the next generation. And that's what surviving, overcoming, persevering for 28 years gets you. Hey, a look at the opportunity to pass the baton to the next generation. Amen? I can see the army now in my eyes. I can see them talking to their teachers, sharing with their classes. I can see them standing up in universities and debating their, their, their uh, professors.
I can see them living godly and holy. I can see them out there. And because God brought you into this equation, brought us together, we're going to do it together. It's going to be amazing. Let's all stand our feet. Come on. Founders Day. 28 years ago to the day. Our first baptism was our son, Joe the Third. Now he's got Joe the Fourth. We dedicated him in this building. I mean, it's 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 uncanny how fast it goes. But it's exciting if you set your mind to be thankful, to be present, and to be faithful. Amen. If you would put both hands in the air like this and say, Lord Jesus, I'm surrendered to you. Come help us make a difference in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give somebody a high five. Give somebody a hug. Give somebody a handshake. Meet somebody you've never known before. And thank you for coming and being here. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.